Good morning, everyone. It's Friday, April 16th. I'm Charlie Fink. It's This Week in XR with Ted Chilowitz. We're joined this morning by our friend Dean Takahashi. Um, he is Games Beat at Venture Beat, uh, one of the best, most insightful, and I might add, most prolific writers on the XR Beat. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dean. It's a momentous morning, isn't it? Uh, yes, thank you, Charlie. Yeah. Thanks, Ted. We're happy to have you. Looking forward to your insights, as always. I asked Dean to join us because there, were big, there was big news yesterday around Epic Games raising uh, one, an, an additional $1 billion on top of the billion they just raised last month. Uh, I guess when somebody says, hey, can I have 2.5% of your company for a billion dollars, you might say yes to that. Um, mm -hmm. Sweeney says, or I should say the company says, that they're going to build a metaverse with this money. Dean, mm -hmm. what is a metaverse and how does the billion dollars help them get there? Well, metaverse uh, has a lot of di different definitions depending on who you talk to, but uh, I, I think of it as a universe of virtual worlds all connected together. And uh, it reminds me of places uh, that you see in, in science fiction books like uh, Snow Crash or Ready Player One. So I would have, everybody would sort of have a common avatar system with a purse and digital objects that they carried with them from world to world. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks to things like blockchain, uh, they could uh, verify that they're the owners of these things and they can uh, wander from world to world uh, with the same things that they bought in the previous world. And Dean, at, and, at, and, at one of your sessions, actually, mm -hmm. uh, at one of your Game Beats conferences, Richard and one's read a, read a workshop, read a workshop, and Roni, who used to be the CEO of Magic Leap and is now on to other amazing things, and I uh, had a long discussion about this, and we talked about our common belief structure that this is not a moment in time. This is history showing itself and continuing to mature the idea of a virtualized world in whatever form that might be and a real world and linking them together as this kind of emotional connective tissue that we all use on our daily lives. And the pandemic year was this sort of massive accelerant on it, where mm -hmm. it used to be a bit of a sideline for people that weren't involved in the technology world like the three of us are and many other people are, or the gaming world or the, or the interactive world. But now it's become an everyday thing for people to understand, be very intimate with their metaverse, right? That we're doing it right now. Um, and, it, and it's grown to kind of massive proportions, but it is not something that just happened over the last couple of years. This has been going on for literally the last hundred years as technology started to uh, create our communication tools. You know, like we go all the way back to Ma Bell and the phone as a metaverse layer of audio and even the telegraph and radio and things like that, right? So it'd be yeah. interesting to see how you I mean, think, talk yeah. about the current propelling of this forward. Mm -hmm. I, I think of the metaverse as, uh, you know, starting out with uh, things like games and like Fortnite, you know, it might command about a couple hours of your time, uh, you know, today. Uh, but uh, Tim Sweeney at Epic, uh, uh, you know, they, they want to have more of your time. And so uh, the metaverse uh, for them has to be something like a place where you live and you work and you play. And uh, the play part is maybe a couple hours a day. It could go to eight or 10 hours a day if, uh, if you're actually working in there, right? So we're talking about this happening on game consoles primarily. That's who's uh, doing the majority of Fortnite, that and mobile, correct? 
or on the PC or, or in VR or on mobile. Uh, and, you know, as I said, there's different versions of the metaverse people have in mind. And so like augmented reality uh, is, is something that could work on mobile for sure. Uh, so, so, you know, all connecting to the same kinds of experiences, but with different degrees of immersion and fidelity, right? Well, I also imagine you would see what I see is that this is an opportunity for them to grow their market segments as well, right? They're mm -hmm. still fairly segmented, even though they're highly profitable and highly successful. They still mm -hmm. own a certain part of the gaming culture person. And just broadening that one tick on each side um, mm -hmm. could be a, a massive, massive, uh, you know, uh, both economic and creative win for them. Yeah, and I think of like, say, um, Activision Blizzard with Call of Duty, right? You know, I, I would play that for maybe a month or maybe two months a year uh, and, uh, you know, be, be happy with that, with the Call of Duty game that came out every year. Uh, but now with Call of Duty Warzone, which is a, a year-round thing, you know, they, they want me there every day coming back over and over again uh, to different sort of variations on, on the same experience. And um and that's some of the, uh, I guess, uh, you know, high ground that everybody's trying to to grab right now. Uh, so if you can bop from yeah. there back and forth into PVP situations, um, you know, and, and have different social alternatives, um, you might start to attract those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that's why I say uh, Fortnite and Epic are adding things uh, where the users can create some of their own experiences. Uh, they're throwing, you know, concerts in there uh, that are attracting mi millions, <laughs> millions of uh, viewers, uh, and uh, other kinds of you know, social experiences that are, you know go beyond just playing Fortnite. As 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 I've been saying recently in a number of different talks, uh, I think that they need to develop a UGC system. The winner is going to have the best builders, right? So how do you create an environment where builders can be rewarded and by creating a there there for people who want to do more social things? Obviously, you want to do a big PvP world. Well, you're going to need Activision. You're going to need Epic. You're going to need a huge uh, infrastructure built to do that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you want to have the social space grow, you have to build the infrastructure for that, which would largely be UGC as it has been on other platforms. Yeah, and they're getting there a little bit, right? They, they, um, I mean, Epic has uh, grown its valuation from 17.3 billion in August uh, to nine months later to 28 billion. And, uh, uh, you know, they're still not caught up with Roblox, uh, which went public at a, a $42 billion valuation, you know, this year. And Roblox is all about user-generated content. So it's, it's nothing but that. And, uh, yeah. and so it's uh, this collection of games and, you know, virtual experiences. And I think that um, you know, Epic Epic wants to get to something like that as well. They they have this little little section uh, of Fortnite uh, create you know where there is user generated content in Fortnite now, uh, but you know they have to grow it. And um, uh, I think that's the only way that you can actually po realistically populate a metaverse. It yeah. takes collaboration, right? Exactly. Yeah, and you, where does VR fit into this? Do you think, uh, are we going to see a VR Fortnite at some point? Mm -hmm. uh, 
VR is, uh, say, the most immersive way you can experience uh, something like the metaverse. And so I, I think eventually we get there. And, we, you know, the Oculus Quest 2 is, is making progress in, in reaching a more mass market now. And so, uh, but I do think that, you know, it, it's taking longer and the experiences have to have to get better still and, uh, and you know, catch up with the, uh, the sort of more instantaneous experiences that you get uh, on, uh, on, on games right now, you know, just ordinary well, game consoles and PCs. Dean, I think, I think you, you touched upon and recognized pretty deeply what we recognize too, that when you start talking about this stuff, you start talking about culture, right? So I refer to Minecraft as culture. When I would see my kids and their and friends, the amount of hours and the amount of things they would do in that world, it was way more than just a game. It was part of their life. It was part of their culture. We're seeing Fortnite and, and now we see Roblox becoming a cultural phenomenon, not just a gaming phenomenon. And then of course you have Sony Dreams trying to capitalize on that as well. And seeing that the future of their business isn't just necessarily these you know, very well-funded story-driven narrative games, but creating a narrative in and of itself about what it is to live inside the metaverse, uh, which kind of then round trips us back to what is happening right now with what I refer to as Metaverse 6.0, which is this epic <laughs> moment that's happening right now. But Epic's not the only company introducing a Metaverse this week. We heard that NVIDIA has been introducing a system for collaboration in VR, which is indeed has qualities of the Metaverse itself. What can you tell us about that, Dean? Yeah, uh, NVIDIA uh, said that they have a enterprise version of their Omniverse uh, ready to go. And uh, uh, the Omniverse is a, a very interesting metaverse for engineers. And it's a place where they can uh, create things, design things, uh, and, and let them go, like uh, si and simulate how they would function in reality. And this uh, is so, in VR, yes? Uh, it's not necessarily in VR. It can be in different kind. you know, you can access it in different ways. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's, there's multiple, you know, ways that you can get into it and deal, you know, deal with assets that are in it. Uh, and, you know, when, you know, in some ways it wasn't as a uh, big uh, headline grabber as, you know, as Epic raising a billion dollars for the metaverse. Uh, but NVIDIA disclosed, you know, in keynote speeches and in panels um, uh, that they've invested hundreds of millions of dollars into this over four years. And, uh, you know, they started out with something uh, that they called Project Holodeck, uh, and it was... Um, proprietary, you know, for, for NVIDIA. But then they found um, uh, a open standard that was created by Pixar uh, for its animated films uh, called Universal Scene Description. And this, um, uh, this USD uh, technology um, is kind of like the connective glue uh, for engineering simulations. And so uh, what that means then is that all these third party tools and all these other companies can work together using USD and create things inside this Omniverse together. Together, Like, you know, engineers can work remotely with each other and work on the same object, the same 3D object at the same time and not actually erase each other's work. Right, uh, which would normally happen with most collaboration software, so uh, so they can create these uh, uh, things that actually can ultimately become 
uh, metaverses, right? I mean, it, say game developers could actually work uh, on say an Unreal project in, inside the Omniverse and collaborate with other companies and take things that have been created by other parties here. And so then when you think of some of the things that they do, like Rockstar Games created a version of New York for Grand Theft Auto V, right? Um, uh, you know, once they've done that, you know, you know, maybe they could license that out to Ubisoft and Ubisoft has built Paris and, you know, they could say, okay, we're trade you Paris for New York and then <laughs> create another game. Right? And they so can also, that's they, can also, cool. they can also license it to mm -hmm. government institutions and municipalities to start mm -hmm. building a layer mm -hmm. of visualization for their security, for their mass transit, you know, all mm -hmm. these, like there's cross pollination of what we yeah. take from game language and bring into other sectors. And it is very much an industry sector because as you're talking about what NVIDIA has been doing in the background, a little less high profile and exposed than this last little bit that Charlie was referring to. It's a couple of years back, uh, Unreal bought a company called Twin Motion, which was doing a version of the metaverse for industrial and architectural. They built that into their software and then they acquired a company called Quixel, which was doing all these high res scans of environments. So, these are all these pieces of this metaverse. They're building a mirror, a mirror world, yes, a one-to-one -one digital copy of the real world to and scale. So and that, for also, example, they released something this week called the MetaHuman uh, Creator right. Tool as well, and that that allows people to build uh, avatars that are highly realistic, you know, human avatars uh, in a matter of minutes, right? And you know, people who are not very trained can use the Unreal Engine. Uh, to create these people now. Um, and th one thing I was worth mentioning that BMW is working on is a, uh, a digital twin, which uh, is actually a factory that they're designing in this omniverse uh, to be you know, physically accurate and exactly a copy of what they're gonna build in the real world. So they're gonna test it out to see if the design is right inside the omniverse, and then they're actually gonna build the factory. It's like, that's cool. <laughs> that is very cool. Dean, thanks for dropping in and chatting with us this morning. I know we're keeping you from another appointment. Um, so we'll let you, we'll, we'll soldier on through the rest of the news without you. Um, but as always, great to chat with you. Um, for those of you who want to get more Dean, um, he curates a fantastic um, conference for Games Beat. Uh, that's going to be April 28th and 29th. So it's just coming up uh, 10 days from now. Uh, so um, please check it out at, I suppose people can find out about it at uh, VentureBeat, Dean? Uh, Gamesbeat.com. Yeah, they can, they can find it. Uh, Gamesbeat.com. Yeah. All right. I'll see you there. Thanks, right. Dean. Thanks Thank for you. joining us. Have a great weekend. Bye. Wow, the great Dean Takahashi from VentureBeat. I, I can't tell you how often I point to his stories and how much I've learned from that guy. Um, you know, he's just, a, he's just a legend, I think, in, in our business, and he's been doing it longer than anybody else. Well, apologies to Scott Stein at CNET. I mean, he's not the only one, but Dean is a very, very good writer and a smart guy and a nice guy, and I miss high-fiving him at CES every time we pass in the hall. It's like our, our little thing. Oh, before we go into the, the rest of the news, I'm wearing a t-shirt, Ted, that you are one of the few people I know will appreciate. Yes. It is Spacely Sprockets from the Spacely Sprockets. It's the only place I'd rather work than Google. Well, the 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 two most 
referred to pieces of media as it talks about seeing where the future were going is Star Trek and the Jetsons, right? So like, like people make fun of the Jetsons in the cartoon, but the Jetsons really robotics, you know, remote work, work from home, um, the, the, you know, the gadgetry in the kitchen, IOT, basically, even though they didn't define the word IOT, they had IOT all of all over the Jetsons. It's like, you know, it's, it's rockets, right? I, I like the car that folds up into a yes. briefcase, right? That is just so ready player one. Absolutely. So let's soldier on through the rest of the news here uh, in the last 10 minutes of the show. Vicarious Surgical uh, looking to go public through another reverse merger. I guess these are called SPACs. Yeah, the famous SPAC, which has become all legendary now. as a right, right up there with NFTs. Yes. Um, but it's a heck of a way to raise a lot of money. So uh, ver uh, I should say Vicarious Surgical, which has a great name, is uh, more like that robot company that Roni uh, Abovitz built Mako. Um, they do uh, microsurgery uh, on the spine. So um, that makes sense because uh, you don't want to be messing around back there with your big fat fingers. Um, moving on. Oh, oh, I, you know, and it's, is Virtualytics. Uh, Virtualytics snags $18 million for the 3D visualization for the defense industry. I guess the Air Force is doing it is using it for repair or maintenance support, right? You point your, your pad at the plane and it gives you an exploded view and all sorts of other information about it. So um, good luck to them. And then a new one, of course, that uh, is worth uh, a, a few words is AmazeVR raising $9.5 million for immersive concerts. Immersive concerts are becoming a big thing, Ted. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're broadly, and Charlie, a couple of years ago, you were so insightful because you interviewed me for an article and we talked a lot about this digital metaphor that I referred to, right? So I use a different terminology than the, meta than the metaverse. I talk about how every sort of piece of the world that we all exist in, whether that's our, you know, our commercial business world, our social world, our entertainment world, our producti productivity world, has found some sort of digital metaphor, right? And large, large companies emerge from being able to tap into that digital simulation. Amazon is a, you know, a metaphor for shopping, right? Across a digital landscape, which is your computer. And it's touching everything. Dean just talked about it for 15 minutes. The evolution of the metaverse is just part of this metaphor that most people would understand deeply as the minute you sent your first email and then realized this was way better than writing it on paper and taking it to the post office, you started entering the metaverse and you started creating your digital metaphor. Well, yeah, I mean, you're getting into um, what uh, people used to call cyberspace, yes, which would be the container for everything digital, right? That was before, of course, there was an internet. Yes. There was this idea of cyberspace. So I remember speaking at a conference, I think in 1993 or 1994, and, and they gave you a little badge when you came in and it said cyber everything. <laughs> and here we are uh, and here we are a um, couple of things uh, I'm also worth mentioning Quest 2 wireless update for PC VR thank you Oculus right and you know again there were some small companies doing this virtual desktop was doing this and found a way uh, and now Oculus is, of course you know mainstreaming that and saying 
oh, if you've got a, a PC and you want to push that stuff to your PC, you no longer have to use the USB-C cable. You can do it wirelessly and it, it'll work, you know, and it's, it's, it's a great evolution of this stuff. Yeah, I have to say, as much as I like the Quest and as good as I think it is, for remote work, it's not quite there yet. It's still, it's, I mean, a thousand percent better than Quest One, but I think the demands of the workspace of replicating a workspace are almost higher than anything else. Right. Well, and this is where I think mixed reality is going to, and of course, yes. this as well, because anchoring yourself in the last bastion of the real world while bringing the metaverse <laughs> yes. to everything else yes. is actually the right connective piece to this it's not completely hiding yourself out in ready player one world it's i'm still in my living room but my living room is a mad magical environment where i can bring yes. up as many monitors as i want and bring in video chat and bring in this and i can close it and open it you know minority report style to my heart's content i could could not agree with you more i we the the platform is not settled yet right and until that gets sorted out uh, the metaverse and frankly, um, remote collaboration is up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, to put this in perspective, I would, and I've referred to this, I would stay, say we're still in the AOL, CompuServe, right. like those <laughs> yes. of virtual reality. That's right? right. It's 1992 in virtual reality. Correct. Now we're moving faster, but we're still in that sense of like, these are still actually the, the first or second wave of what won't really become fully mainstream till the ninth or tenth wave, um, and that's that ten-year gap that we, that we like to discuss. Um, Pico, the Neo is back from our friends Pico. They're launching it in Asia, and I guess if it works, the United States, the device uh, is every bit as good as the Quest. Um, God knows we could use some more uh, competitors with excessively priced devices uh, to the Quest because uh, it's going to make them a lot better. Right now, um, connect to a Facebook account and not needing all of those things that we all accept as a, you know, as the price to pay for that. But you need to have options. You need to have, you know, yeah. a competitive market for this. We we didn't mention this when we were talking about metaverses, but you know, Oculus just through the Quest, you know, having Messenger, you know, be a pan communication device that connects to the real world. That's a metaverse like quality, right? When when we have an avatar with our blockchain that we through which we travel to all these uh, virtual worlds, we will have our smartphone, Absolutely. right? And all the things and all the functionality that's on there. And it'll go with us across all of these immersive environments we're talking about. Yeah. So that's what we got today, folks. That's the news Friday, April 16th, that we have time to talk about in half an hour. Thank you to our guest, Dean Takahashi. Thank you to my friend, Ted Shilowitz, Futurist at Viacom's Paramount Pictures. I'm Charlie Fink. Look for my column in Forbes, and we'll see you next Friday.